0: There is a spirit which I feel. Selected Writings of James Naylor Part 1 Forward James Naylor was a prominent leader and gifted minister in the early Society of Friends in England. Though a farmer by trade and a man of limited education, his deep spiritual understanding, piercing discernment, and powerful communication of the gospel caused multitudes to acknowledge that he preached in the demonstration of the spirit and power as one having authority and not as the scribes. Sadly, he is best known for a single and much regretted act of folly committed in a time of weakness and temptation, when, because of the abundance of revelation and the unchecked flattery of a few imprudent admirers, he accepted greater praise than is due to any man, as the appendix to this volume relates in detail. The complete works of James Naylor, in four volumes, are available today, but the great majority of readers find his original writings quite unmanageable. Beyond the difficulties presented by archaic words, spellings, and expressions, Naylor wrote in what might be called a stream-of-consciousness style, setting forth in long, run-on sentences, with apparently little forethought or organization, the thoughts and arguments that flowed into his mind. To the eyes of the modern reader, the writing style of the 1600s is often considered unnecessarily wordy and convoluted, but Naylor's writings are particularly challenging in this respect. In fact, when George Whitehead, an intimate friend and fellow Quaker, first published Naylor's complete works in 1716, he made literally thousands of alterations to Naylor's original words and expressions, not because of any difference in sentiment or doctrine, but entirely with a view to greater clarity of communication. With a similar motivation to that of George Whitehead, and from a strong desire that the writings of this pious and experienced Christian not be lost in history, I have taken upon myself the task of carefully modernizing some of Naylor's most notable works. Modernizing is not a simple or straightforward task, and can easily be done poorly. Attempts to modernize early Quaker documents without a deep understanding of their context, vocabulary, religious culture, and particular testimonies have led to some very unsatisfactory results. For this reason, I have approached the task with the greatest care and seriousness and hope that I am in measure qualified for the work by a true intimacy with friends literature, having read and reread many thousands of pages in their original format, for my own personal edification and enjoyment. Also, by a heartfelt agreement with the spiritual views contained in them, by a very real sense of loving esteem and respect for the original authors, by an admittedly imperfect but sincere attempt to live by the same light and grace to which the Quakers testified, and by a measure of the fear of the Lord, believing that the Spirit of God is the true source of much of what is presented in these writings. Jason Henderson, September 2018 Chapter 1 The Possession of Living Faith and Its Fruits and How It Has Been Found to Differ from the Dead Faith of the World Seeing that a right faith is the only ground of man's eternal happiness and the only thing which gains the creature an entrance towards his Creator, for without faith it is impossible to please God and having found by experience how the true and living faith, which has the living power, differs greatly from that faith which is dead and without that power, and also seeing that so many at this day are at ease in a dead faith, with their souls in the grave, I am stirred up in tender love to declare something of the true faith of Christ, which I have found effectual to salvation and reconciliation with God. First, I shall say a little about the faith or belief which I have seen in the world, which is a literal faith, grounded only upon the history of the Scripture with regard to God and Christ and what Christ did in that body which the Jews crucified at Jerusalem. This is a faith which does not know him in spirit, nor believe in him as the Emmanuel to all generations, and so it does not work the believer into a conformity to him, By his coming again in the same spirit and power and working in them the same will, mind, affections, and obedience to the Father in their measure, which was in him, the true example, author, worker, and finisher of the true and living faith. From this dead faith, having a variety of appearances according to the several opinions of men. Come all the unclean spirits living in whatsoever abomination that can be mentioned in the world. All sorts of sects and religious opinions cover themselves with this faith. It is their strength, and in it they take refuge from all reproof within or without, though they openly live in the greatest whoredoms against the spirit of holiness that can be mentioned. Though they keep at a distance from the life of Christ— Yet they believe Christ came to save sinners, and will say that they are the chief of sinners, and that those who are healthy need not a physician, etc., as if the greater their wickedness, the nearer they draw to Christ. And by this false faith, the one who came to save people from sin, and to lead out of sin, both by example and spirit, is made a covering for all filthiness of flesh and spirit, and to strengthen the wicked heart against the life of holiness, some in one sin, some in another. Yes, with this faith all sorts do strengthen themselves and harden their hearts against the light of Christ and the Spirit which reproves the world of sin and convinces of it and would indeed lead out of it. Thus the holy witness of God in all men is trampled underfoot and is little regarded in any nor believe to be the way to the Father. Though the world has no light but this, nor is there a promise of life in any other. This faith appears to me to be that faith of the devil, or the dead faith of which the apostle speaks, though it is perhaps even more hardened against the fear of the Lord. For when the devils believe, they at least tremble. So I now leave this faith, being judged already by its fruits with the light of Christ in every honest heart that loves holiness. Now I shall speak something of that faith in which I have found a measure of the life of Christ made manifest in me, in whose life alone is the true and eternal atonement and union with the holy God, into which no unclean thing can enter. This faith is not a notion concerning what was done in another time past or future, hundreds or thousands of years distant, but that which leads to the work of a new creature at this day, and a new birth, spiritually begotten and born and brought to light, without which no one can see the kingdom of God, nor enter therein. And this faith does not work by the comprehension of brain knowledge, as if Having conceived or declared of Jesus Christ in words or thoughts, I have therefore learned him, or really know him, or am grown up in him to a perfect man. Such possessors of notional faith deceive their own soul, and also deceive others, by declaring and boasting of what God has not wrought in them, and leading men out beyond the measure of God's present work in them. But the living faith works powerfully in the Spirit, by love thereto, and the mystery of it is held in a pure conscience, working out the old leaven, purifying the heart, and making all things new. Indeed, this faith judges, kills, and crucifies with Christ in spirit the works of the flesh, casting out everything in me that is not of God, and renewing in me the things of God in their order by his mighty working in me. By this the soul is raised up out of the grave, and the dead is restored to life, truly, and not in notion. The Ground and Work of Living Faith Now, the foundation or beginning of this faith is a real believing in that which Christ did and suffered at Jerusalem, and that there in that body he bore the sins of the world and satisfied the wrath of God for sins past— and overcame death, hell, and the grave, and made way for the seed to arise in all through the whole world who would believe in his light, which then shined through him to all men, by which he may be seen to be the way, the truth, and the life, openly triumphing over all that has risen above the seed. Much more might be said of what he there finished, all of which I did believe according to the Scriptures which was an opening for me to receive him from heaven in the same spirit and power, and without which I could not have received the gift of that Holy Spirit. For God so purposed from the beginning that the covenant of eternal life and power should be received no other way but by faith in him, who, in the fullness of time, was there manifest in the flesh for the taking away of sins past and making a way for the resurrection of life to come over all, to save from sins for time to come. The first effect of this faith was to turn my mind out of all of my past sins and to turn it to God and to a holiness of life, which I then believed possible to attain. And in this faith, I saw a need to receive power, to grow up in him to his fullness and stature, and I understood that no lesser faith could save me, but only the perfect faith of the Son of God, which in former times I had not received. But now, in the light, I received this faith with such gladness of heart that it took my delight from all sin and set my face towards perfection in Christ, which indeed was the joy set before me. Yet here the work was not done or finished in me, even though I received the faith and hope of the Son of God and was turned from all my former sin and my own righteousness, so that if I had then departed this body, I would have died in no less faith than the holy faith of Jesus Christ. And so being turned to his Spirit out of the works of the flesh, I was turned from my sin and so from condemnation. Nevertheless, there was a great work to be done in me, before I could witness freedom from the body of death and see the root and ground of evil removed and the seed raised up to reign, and the soul brought into the holy city where there is fellowship in the Father and the Son and a glorious liberty of the new creature and where all things are of God as the scriptures do witness. This faith did not work me into a conceit in myself, to glory in my knowledge, and become a teacher of others concerning what I had conceived without the life. Rather, it led me down into the obedience of the Spirit of light, to wait therein for the resurrection of life. And I came to see in that light that the motions of sin did still work from the old ground and root, and that this must be removed by the power of Christ working in spirit. I saw that obedience and watchfulness in the light was required, and that without obedience to this faith I could not come to a victory over the enmity, nor to the glorious liberty of the sons of God. For though this faith had turned my heart towards Christ and given me hope to attain him, still I had not yet learned him, nor was he yet formed in me. So I was led in the light of Christ to see what I really possessed of this treasure in my earthen vessel, which I found to be very little, and I saw that his seed was the smallest of all seeds in my garden. So I became little before that eye which told me the truth, though I had formerly been high in my own thoughts. And so to the word of the beginning of Christ I was led Or to the first principles of the doctrine of Christ, so that with that light which teaches Christ, I might learn Christ in every measure of him as I grew therein. I was brought to know him that was born under the law and was shown the foundation of repentance from dead works and doctrines of baptisms and eternal judgment. Then I came in truth and life to see what they were doing whom the apostles exhorted to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling, even after they had fully believed what Christ had done for them at Jerusalem in that body. Many other scriptures did he open to me as I learned him, which before were a mystery, while I learned them in the meanings without the life of Christ but these were opened by the revelation of Jesus Christ as they came to be fulfilled in me, being led in the work of faith by the Spirit who wrote them. Then I came to see that through the law I must be redeemed from the law, Galatians 2.19, and that my redemption from it must not be by making it void, but by fulfilling it. Until then, the law had power over me, Romans 7, 1. And sin took occasion by it to strengthen itself in me. But as I came to grow in the spirit and power of Christ, I was in him brought through it, finding it fulfilled in him. And thus I became dead to the law as it came to be fulfilled in me. So I found the words of Christ to be true. I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And, It is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one jot of the law to pass away till it be fulfilled. Indeed, I needed not an interpretation for this scripture, but a fulfilling of it in Christ Jesus. And so I saw the law to be that schoolmaster which brings us to Christ, Christ formed, and how we are heirs under tutors and guardians before we know the liberty of the Son of God or perfect freedom. And I saw that the Scripture could not be broken nor twisted, but it must be learned in the life of it unto salvation, though the unlearned twist it to their own destruction by meanings without life. Yes, the Scripture is of no private interpretation, 2 Peter one twenty, but the one Spirit must open it all in the fulfilling of it. Then are they able to make wise unto salvation through the true faith which is in Christ Jesus. And then I came clearly to see Christ Jesus set before me in all things that I was to go through, in that faith which I had first received, and that the attaining of him was the true hope of glory, and there was no hope outside of him. This hope was as an anchor in all hardships and temptations that I was led through, which were not a few. But all was counted little as I stood in this faith for the hope that was in me to win Christ. And I clearly saw that, notwithstanding my first faith in what Christ had done at Jerusalem, yet if I did not continue in faith to follow the same Spirit in obedience to all its leadings, hoping to attain Christ Jesus the end of that faith and daily growing towards His stature and fullness, but instead turned aside or sat down short of the leadings of that Spirit along the way, I would make void my hope of glory and the work of my redemption. Then that which Christ accomplished at Jerusalem would also be made void with respect to me. For having denied my first faith, I could not be saved from the wrath to come. So I saw that I must faithfully, without doubting, follow Him in spirit through all trials and temptations, of which way he was a perfect example in his walking in the flesh. And through the scriptures I was made to hope, seeing that he went before me in the same way into which he now led me. And I saw him to be the same to all generations, for as he was then, so he has been in all his saints that follow him. And even as they exhorted one another to look unto him in their travel, who is the author and finisher of their faith, and to consider him as an example who endured such hostility from sinners, lest they grow weary of suffering and faint in their minds, so I also looked to the same life in him, which was also in those who followed after him, and my faith and patience were doubled, and my obedience was without doubting, and my hope was made firm unto the end, which end was winning Christ in me, the hope of glory, o, oh, the great mystery of faith which is hid from all until the revelation of Jesus Christ. But when the saints and apostles had Christ revealed in them, then they were made able ministers of him, and had the mystery opened, and preached without doubt the mystery of godliness. Yes, without controversy, great is this mystery, and yet hid from the world, God manifest in flesh, which mystery of faith must be held in a pure conscience." So, coming to experience these things, I knew my faith to be the same faith once delivered to the saints. And I came to know the good fight of that faith, and that faith which overcomes the world, which has the promise and inheritance of eternal life. And so, in the learning of Christ, I came to distinguish the faith of Christ, which increases from faith to faith, from the faith of devils, and the living and working faith, from the dead faith without works, and the faith of Christ from that faith which is set up without Christ. And I found it is not the faith of Christ to believe that men can never be perfect or overcome sin and the devil, nor to make void the law of the Father without it first being fulfilled. And it was never Christ's faith to revenge evil, but rather to overcome evil with good. It was never his faith to respect persons, or to believe that any could commit sin and not be sin's servant. It was never his faith to sue, contend, fight, or persecute any, or preach for hire, or in any way to serve the mammon of this world. It was not his faith to observe his own will, his own times, or the world's customs, but to observe his Father only in all things, and only what he received from the Father. That he did, and could do nothing of himself, and he never believed them to be children of God who said and did not. But the world's faith, in order to uphold its sins and lusts, believes those to be children of God who say but do not, who are enemies to the faith of Christ, which presents men perfect to God by working out such evils. All of which I came to see, not by man, but in the revelation of Christ, And in his faith I learned him, and grew more into his faith, and into him, and thereby his life was made manifest in my body. 2 Corinthians 4.10 And thus I came to see what belongs to Christ in truth, as the truth is in Jesus, and what belongs to the world, but is called Christ's, in order to oppose him. And I saw that that which loves the things of this world is not his love. Nor is it his joy that takes pleasure in visible things, nor his liberty which is in the works of the flesh, nor his peace that remains in sin, nor his patience that seeks its own revenge, nor his glory that mixes with pride, nor his worship that stands in carnal things, nor his honor that men seek after, nor his knowledge that is according to the flesh, nor his fear that is taught by the precepts of men. All of these are in the world, and not in him. They have a name to be his, but are enemies to his life, and were never begotten of his Father, nor learned in the Son. Indeed, by that truth and simplicity which I found in Christ, contrary to the will of man, I came to see the deceit in all of these things. And so, in the life of Christ, I have learned the growth of the faith of Christ, and the riches of it, and the end of it, which is Christ Jesus in all his working. And I also know the world's faith and its uncleanness, whose end is not to attain the holiness of Christ in this life, but instead to live in the world's delights and have Christ for a cover, and to be saved by the righteousness of another, a righteousness in which they have no mind to walk themselves. And so the earthly faith does not work by love. For it does not love the life of Christ, but makes enemies to his cross who mind earthly things. But the living faith works by love unto holiness of life, and therefore purifies the heart, and the mystery of it stands in a pure conscience, in those who have it, and not in comprehending and talking of what is in another. For even the devils believe the holiness that was in Christ, and can preach it, but they cannot inherit it, because they do not love to live the life of it. Hereby I know these two faiths clearly distinguished. The end of the one is the life of Christ in which he himself walked, in the same obedience of the same Spirit to the same Father by the same power, according to the proportion of faith received from God. Which faith is from above, and so lays hold on heavenly things for its strength, and brings forth heavenly fruits. The other faith professes and promises great things, but ends in the world, minds earthly things, and does not purify the heart, nor believe ever to attain the life of Christ, his stature or fullness, but accounts this an error in all who press after such attainments. So the end of the one is to hold forth Jesus Christ in life and power, the same yesterday and today and forever. The end of the other is a liberty to sin here while they can take any pleasure in it, and then sanctification and salvation when they are dead. And according to the end of each faith, so it works. For it is impossible for him that cannot believe for holiness to work holiness. But according to each man's faith, so he will inherit in this world and in that which is to come. And in the workings and attainings of this living, powerful faith, I have found several measures according to my growth therein, from the beginning of the word of Christ, or the first principle of Christ, to the fullness and stature of Christ. And there is much working in spirit between a babe in Christ and a man grown in Christ, and between faith received from Christ and Christ formed in me. For though I received faith to believe in his fullness and in what he was and did in the flesh, I had not yet learned him in spirit and life in my own mortal vessel, nor did I put him on all at once. But in the light of faith I saw I needed to run so as to win him before I could put him on. And in this I came to see and know myself begotten again in him who is the way to God. And the begotten of the Father was manifest in measure in me, and the pure image of a holy child separate from the fleshly sinful seed. Yet after I had beheld his pure image and his pure mind and nature so far contrary to my own, still I saw he was not yet reigning in his kingdom nor were all things put under his feet, nor could I say that Jesus was then Lord in me. But by the Spirit's working, by the faith which I had received, and in hope thereof, I was made to endure the loss of all things, and to deny all things that ever his Holy Spirit did war against in me, which might in any way oppress this holy plant or hinder its growth. Yes, I was made to acknowledge His judgment in the light upon whatever was in my heart or affections besides Him alone, despite whatever loss I might meet with in the world. And as this judgment was acknowledged and consented to against myself and all my self-lovers, there I was separated from them in judgment, and they were subdued by the powerful working of His Spirit and put under His feet. And I was set free from them to arise with him above them, being brought out from under them. This was not done all at once, but according as he appeared in the light to manifest every particular evil. And as the faith that I had received wrought by love to him a consent in my spirit to his just judgments upon all these things, I was made willing to give them up to the fire and to come out of them. And joined to him in the execution, lest he should consume me with them, as must have been the case had I stayed in them. Here I found the benefit of the light which goes before his face to prepare his way, and the salvation of faith which saved me through hope in him, so that I was not destroyed in my sins. Indeed, this faith and hope gave me an entrance within the veil or a hiding place in him until the indignation was over, which had to pass upon the man of sin. And so a voice was heard in the wilderness calling me out of sin and into a way I knew not, except as the light of his covenant led me, like the spirit of Elijah, turning my heart towards him, that he might not smite the earth with a curse at his coming. Malachi four six, And as I continued in this way, Before I came to know pure rest in the kingdom of Christ, I met with many hardships and great travails and many temptations and trials within and without. But truly the greatest enemies were within me, which, upon every hardship, would tempt me with unbelief to destroy my faith and hope. But this faith and hope were set before me. And it encouraged me to endure such hardships, and to follow the light in a way I had not known, and to walk in the clouds to meet the Lord, and to leave my former knowledge, wisdom, glory, and riches, to go away I had not walked, and to endure great assaults on every side. And the world, out from which I was called, was ready to surround me and overtake me, to turn me back again to what I had seen and enjoyed before ever seeking to persuade me that I would never attain to that which was set before me in the faith and hope. Then I came clearly to see that though I had received the faith of Christ as a shield in this war, because of which the wrath of God did not take me away in these temptings, murmurings, reasonings, and doubtings which arose in the fleshly part, yet I was not at present brought to enjoy the purchased possession." For though I had heard and believed the gospel of salvation, and was sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, I could not enjoy the purchased possession till I came to be built up with Christ for a habitation of God through the Spirit. And I found, by daily experience, that my salvation was not complete, so long as my soul was subjected under any earthly lust or passion. Nor was the war over until by the mighty working of God in me by His Spirit. These things came to be subdued under the feet of Christ, and my soul set above them with Him to reign in heavenly places. So even though my salvation was nearer than when I first believed, still the soul is not safe while sin lives, or the flesh lusts. For this wars against the soul, and every sin wounds it. As all know who are not past feeling. As long as sin defiles the soul, it is not safe. Nor does the honest heart have peace and rest. For the rest and peace is found in the holy city into which comes no unclean thing. And the soul knows no lasting rest and peace till all righteousness is fulfilled upon earth. And the soul extracted from all corruption, having put on immortality. Here death is swallowed up in victory, and its sting is taken away, which is sin. And the strength of sin, which is the law, is not taken away except where it is fulfilled. There only does grace reign through righteousness. Romans 5.21 This I found to be the truth as it is found in Jesus, and I came to learn him and put him on by faith. And so I saw the folly of such as would make void the law by talking of faith and grace, where sin is yet standing, and the soul is still taken captive therewith. For though I too had often sought peace in this way, I now saw that my soul could not inherit liberty any other way, but as it came, to be purified in obedience through the Spirit. 1 Peter one twenty two. Now, This work was not wrought in me by the knowledge of Christ after the flesh, but only as I came to learn him in spirit. For spiritual wickedness had taken my soul captive, and by the spirit it must be sanctified and set free. And I came to see that if I had been in his company here on earth as long as his disciples were in the flesh, and had seen as much as they did, and heard words from his own mouth, I would still... Come short of this work, even as they were in whom the child was unborn when he went away in the flesh. For they knew not what spirit they were of until he came again to them in spirit and was revealed in them. Then they could preach the resurrection of the dead and the soul's redemption and desired to know him no more after the flesh having received him in spirit. Then they preached Christ within the hope of glory, though previously they had looked for an outward kingdom and glory. For then they received his promise, he that dwells with you shall be in you, and I will not leave you comfortless, I will come unto you, and the world sees me no more, but you see me, because I live, you shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Yes, these received the one who was promised, whom the world sees no more, whose expectations are carnal, for none can see the kingdom of heaven, but who are born of this spirit and heirs of his life. And he that has the son has life, and he that has not the son has not the life. But the wrath of God abides on him, regardless of what he says he believes for none has the son except as they receive his spirit and are led by this spirit and born of it and this i found also that the son of god does not appear in any except as he conforms them to his own image which image he has always borne in this world as the scripture says when he shall appear we shall be like him and He shall change our vile bodies and make them like his glorious body, and transformed from glory to glory by the same Spirit. And herein we have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this present world. This is not obtained by thoughts of believing without, but by a lively working of his power within which works out the earthly image and nature and conforms to the heavenly image through that spiritual birth which is not of flesh and blood. Nor can flesh and blood ever discern this work in man, but has always hated it in whomsoever it has appeared in all ages. For it is of a shining nature wherever it is begotten of the Father and cannot be hid where it is formed, but by its fruit gives light to the world contrary to the world's ways, showing forth Christ's coming in judgment against all deeds of darkness. And this heavenly birth of the Father is to be held forth in its clear image, without mixture, according to its several measures, that all may see that he is not of this world, and that he also takes them out of this world according as he grows in them, or they grow in him." And these must go forth into the world bearing his reproach, that the scripture may be fulfilled. They are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. And this is the world's light and its condemnation, even his coming. And so I have found that the faith which joins to the world and does not overcome the world is not the faith of Christ, nor does it lay hold on the power of Christ though it may believe the history of the scriptures concerning Christ. This faith does not set up the kingdom of God in the heart, nor cast out the world there, nor save the soul from the pollution of the world through lust. And so is but a notion of salvation, and not the power of salvation. For the scriptures have said, whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. And the faith which works not in this way is like a body without a spirit which is dead. But the living faith that stands in Christ Jesus purifies the heart and conscience, overcoming whatever would hinder the appearance of Christ in his temple, or the bringing forth of his virtues. And those who believe with this faith believe not in a lie, but in the truth and power of God as it is in Christ Jesus, And as it has been declared in scriptures, not for a discourse, but for an inheritance of life, of whose fullness we all receive according to our faith. Therefore, we find that those who were of this faith witnessed Christ to be present, which the world's faith could never receive under any form or profession, but rather counted it blasphemy and called his Holy Spirit the spirit of the devil. But this faith Isaiah believed in his time, and witnessed the child born unto them, who was the mighty God, the everlasting Father, etc., whose name they knew to be Emmanuel. And this was before he appeared in that temple at Jerusalem. And Ezekiel was called the Son of Man before that time also. And Paul said Christ was revealed in him, and spoke in him, and wrought in him, and that in his flesh was being filled up that which was lacking in the afflictions of Christ for his body's sake, which is the church. Many more men and women might be mentioned who confess the same Christ present in them, both before and after his appearance in that body, whose testimony was never received by the wisdom of the world, neither then nor at this day. For the God of this world, being king in the heart, has blinded the eye of the mind which can see Christ's spiritual glory by the light of the gospel, and he persuades the world that Christ is either past or to come, but never present. And so, as many as are brought to confess him before men, find it so at this day, that they are hated of all men for his namesake, that the scriptures may be fulfilled and his testimony finished." But the faith which confesses Christ present is that which the world cannot bear nor receive. No, they will preach him at a distance, what he was and what he will be. But their faith cannot know his present coming or receive any measure of his appearance now. Nor will this faith ever give entrance into his kingdom upon earth, nor the holy rest. For the faith that puts him afar off is not the faith of Christ which fills those who believe with the fullness of God. And by what I have learned, it is forever clear to me without any controversy that the faith which makes allowance for sin is not Christ's faith, nor does it have a share or possession in him. For the faith which is not holy came not from God, and so it cannot build up to God. Indeed, it is not saving faith that does not save from sins but is rather a deceiving faith, which deceives the soul and allows lust to defile it and destroy it, and so brings it under condemnation. By believing its lies, sin is let in upon the soul by consent, and the soul is persuaded that it cannot be otherwise, and so the devil and the world and the flesh and sin have their victory over the soul, which should have the victory over all. What greater deception can there be to the soul than this? And therefore, that which I have seen and learned, I do openly declare, that this is a deceiving faith, and indeed a form of unbelief rather than the faith of Christ, for it makes way for the God of this world to reign and act in the creature, in things contrary to the life of Christ and the life of the soul. Again I say, that faith which makes way for the least sin— is not the faith of Christ, for his work and coming is to destroy the works of the devil and redeem the soul from sin. And the least measure of true faith that stands in his life overcomes sin and the world in that measure. But he that commits sin goes out of that faith and acts against it. It is a lying faith which persuades the soul of freedom from condemnation But gives it not freedom from sin, which is the cause of condemnation. And all shall witness this with me, now or hereafter. For wherever sin has power, there death has power. And the grave and hell and condemnation have power also. For these are the wages of sin. And those who believe the contrary will soon find they were deceived. And may not such truly be said to be past feeling? Indeed who can commit sin and feel no condemnation for it already? And this is the effect of their false faith. They harden themselves against the faithful witness of God in their own conscience until the seared conscience has made shipwreck of the faith of Christ. It is the doctrine of devils which preaches the faith of devils to give way to the works of the devil, which all sin is, from the least to the greatest. And he that pleads for sin is a father to it, and he that commits it is a servant, and may expect its wages if he does not repent. There are many at this day who indeed feel this truth, though they have long believed with this false faith, deceiving their own souls day after day, believing they shall not be condemned by God when they are condemned already in their own hearts, and feel the weight of sin daily pressing on their souls and burdening their conscience, Alas, the fear of death and sin keeps such souls in bondage and lies upon them all their lives, and yet they force themselves to believe contrary to holy faith and a good conscience that they are somehow already saved and redeemed. Thus they make shipwreck of saving faith and a good conscience by believing a lie contrary to their own daily feeling, with nothing more to encourage them therein except this persuasion which well suits those who take pleasure in unrighteousness. But this persuasion comes not from God, but is rather condemned by the witness of God and all. This is the state of many at this day, though some, whose consciences are seared, can no longer feel this living witness in them. Their damnation slumbers not, for they have lost their calling and election. And this I have learned in Christ that there is a great difference, both in effect and nature, between that faith which is the gift of God and the faith which men make unto themselves. That which is the gift of God is of his own nature, clean, pure, and perfect, as are all his gifts, and so it naturally works the work and will of God in all who receive it freely and mix nothing with it to darken it or stop his working. By this faith which is not of myself, but is the gift of God, we are saved from both sin and condemnation and are begotten to the Father of faith in Christ Jesus unto perfect holiness. Whatever is done in this faith is not sin, but whatever is against this faith or not of this faith is sin and brings condemnation, and this faith does not approve of it. But if I act without doubting, nor against this holy faith, then I am justified in my own heart, my own conscience is kept clean, and I am approved in God's sight. Yes, I have boldness through the obedience of faith in the day of judgment, that it is not my own work, but the righteousness of faith which is in Christ Jesus. This is the effect of true, saving, working faith, and this is its nature and grace. But I have found another faith, which is not so in nature or effect, being not freely received from above. This is a feigned faith, which has its ground here below, and its end also. The earthly man, in his wisdom, from the letter, reason, or comprehension, sets up an opinion or image in his mind having to do with God or Christ or religion, worship, doctrine, or conduct, or any other thing, and then, looking upon this likeness with his reasoning part, gathers strength to believe it must indeed be so. Thus he forms a faith in himself. And though this faith be greatly lacking, there being many things in the scriptures and the practices of the saints, and especially the witness of God in his own conscience, that will not suit with it, still the strong man, being uppermost in the strength of his comprehension, forces a faith against all these and causes all else to bow under it. So this faith does not bring forth the birth of Christ, nor his pure image and life in man, either in matters of worship or in conduct. But however a man with this faith may imitate Christ and the saints and still keep the world and escape the cross and save his life and credit and glory here, that he will conform to and glory in and as for the rest, he believes it does not concern him now, at this day, to walk in all things as Christ did. For whatever evil he is not addicted to, he condemns in all. But that which is in his own heart and eye, and brings him profit and pleasure, that he will cover, and will insist it is agreeable with true belief at this day, though formerly it was not. This is a faith made after man and not after God." It is a respecter of persons, times, and things, but will not bow these to worship in spirit, nor bring them under the feet of Jesus. And being earthly by nature, this faith has earthly effects, and God will not acknowledge it with his power, nor go forth with that which man makes, but only with his own gift, which is good and perfect in every measure thereof. And this also I have learned in Christ Jesus, and declare to all that seek faith in him, that I never received any measure of this faith of Christ in vain. But whatever I acted or suffered therein, from the least measure till this day, in it I prevailed, in whatever the light of the Spirit has led me. And I have found it to be a shield, and have found a growth in it towards Christ Jesus in every one of its works and I have learned to stand single in it to the end, regardless how tempted or tried I have been before the end appeared. For the end of this faith is a conquering through the Spirit, as all do witness who prove it to the end in singleness of heart. Indeed, many are the cloud of witnesses that have gone before, who by this holy faith have prevailed over the powers of sin and entered into the holy rest, who have not sought their own kingdom, but the kingdom of Christ. Only this pure faith works towards the manifestation of Christ in all actions and sufferings, and orders all things in their place and time, and fits all relationships for his manifestation therein to glorify God. For God is not glorified in anything on earth except in that where the Son appears, who is the express image and glory of God and in whom alone God reveals himself and the glory of his judgments and mercy. Yes, the grace and truth of God is in the face of Christ, in whomever he appears. And so every measure of the heavenly faith works towards the heavenly appearance or manifestation, and the earthly faith works towards an earthly manifestation. So true faith in God is that which works effectually by love towards the image and life of God in this world, which is seen only in his spiritual begetting. And this being believed in and set above all else, shines forth in its various measures, showing the virtue and glory of the Spirit of God. But the feigned earthly faith allows earthly things to remain in the heart for its own purposes, And in love to these earthly things, it works disobedience to the Spirit, and so falls short of the glory of God. For it cannot hold forth the fruits of the Spirit to glorify God with an earthly lover in the heart. Nor can one faith serve both God and mammon. Thus, he that loves the things of this world makes himself God's enemy." Whose faith withstands the appearance of Christ in his actions or sufferings, and so withstands the glory of God, which therein should be manifest to all men. This is that faith which has ever put Christ afar off, yet it uses the form and words to withstand the life and virtue. It is of this sort that the apostle speaks, warning that they have a form of godliness, but deny the power of godliness. Alas, these have always been the greatest enemies to the coming of Christ, being not of the faith of Christ, nor of the Spirit of Christ, but being from below, these withstand his coming from above to be brought forth in his virtue and to be worshipped in his own spirit. This indeed is Antichrist. It is this spirit and this faith that twists the scriptures in order to seduce from Christ and to destroy the way of his coming. And instead of bringing forth his life and virtue in a real manifestation, this spirit serves itself with a meaning or interpretation instead of serving Christ with actual obedience. And so, spiritual birth is given a meaning or an interpretation instead of the actual life of Christ, and this meaning is set up to oppose his life, lest it should really come forth into the world. For instance, Christ said in the scriptures, Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And, From him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And I tell you not to resist an evil person, but to overcome evil with good, and love those who hate you, and many similar commands. These Christ meant really and truly, and showed them by example in himself. And whoever receives the same Spirit finds it moving them to these same things as it increases, and being obeyed, It will bring forth the same fruits to glorify the Father in all generations, for the Spirit does not grow old, nor are its fruits barren, wherever it is really received in the faith thereof and obeyed. But the other faith, in the earthly spirit, says, Christ did not mean as he spoke. You must not take him literally. Those words must have a spiritual meaning. And so their spiritual meaning devours the life of obedience, both as to the words of Christ and the spirit of Christ, setting up a subtle meaning that is without the life of Christ and contrary to his example. And this meaning they desire all to accept, both against the plain words of Christ, against his example in his walking, and against the working of his spirit in others, And if they cannot, in this way, destroy the true faith and fruit before it is brought forth, then their work is to render any a blasphemer in whom the life is born and brought forth to light. For they count it great presumption for any to witness the life of Christ brought forth in them into the world. And though they preach Christ in us, and the life of Christ in us, and the spirit of Christ in us, and our body the temple of God, etc., because they find these words in Scripture. Still, they will not allow any to believe and obey unto a manifestation of his life. No, this they will not acknowledge, but will instead put their meaning in its place, and set up the form to deny the power, and make Christ's words deny his coming. Oh, how long has this false faith professed him to be coming, and spoken of the life and glory at his coming! according to its own carnal comprehensions, and yet it will not receive him in the same life and spirit and power in which he has ever appeared. And so, to this generation he is ever to come, but never present, except to make a covering for their sins, past and present, and an encouragement for sin to come. Thus the devourer turns the best of things into a lie and all that will believe him, that he may keep Christ and the soul from knowing a present union, which he could not long do except by the consent of the creature. For there is a gift of God in every one which daily draws towards him wherever it is not quenched by believing lies. But those who receive not the love of the truth will perish, even as it was in the days of old. Oh, the narrow passage I have found it to be that leads in the way of truth and life and misses all the enemy's subtle pretenses. And I have found his words true, who said, Few are they who find it. For the enemy is always ready to meet those who seek after God with a shadow, a meaning, or some other deceit to believe instead of the substance, always handling the words of God deceitfully, using the gifts of God, to withstand the life of the giver, and turning his grace into lascivious liberty. And this I have learned in him who is the light of the world, that in my turning towards him at his reproof, when I knew him not, and believing in his light, when I had not seen, I found a faith given to me which did declare the righteousness of God in him, the righteousness in which Christ perfectly walked when upon earth both in doing and in suffering. And being turned towards him, I found the propitiation that God had sent forth through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remitting of my past sins. Romans 3.25 That God might be just, who would not have passed by my sins had he not accepted Christ's sufferings, nor would I have found liberty from past sin to follow him, nor could I have been accepted in doing so except in the faith and hope of the same righteousness. So God was just in justifying, and his forbearance was magnified towards me therein. And by turning to this righteousness of his, made manifest in the light of faith and hope, my face was set towards God's righteousness in Christ Jesus to be attained and walked in for life and salvation in the time to come. And so, being turned towards God, All my past sins were behind me, and God's righteousness was before me. And from henceforth, I was to be found in God's righteousness, walking in a measure of it, and in the faith and hope for the full attainment of Christ for my inheritance. And at that time, the great redemption that I experienced in Christ was in relation to these following things. I found him calling me with his light and holding forth to me his life and his sufferings, which were so holy that I could not help but confess them. I found him turning me towards the same life and sufferings, in faith and hope, and begetting a mind in me towards that same life, and finding the increase of his light to lead me. And I found him setting me free from the wrath of God for all my past sins of ignorance, which otherwise would have been laid upon me as a heavy weight or chain, binding me, so that I could not have walked in the way of his light, etc. But I do not say that if I turned to commit sin again, that that sin was cast behind my back also, for I found it to be otherwise. Indeed, I found the sin which stood before my face to be greater than the rest, standing in my way to God and stopping me from following his light or growing in his life. And I saw that there was no way to escape it, but by repenting of it and receiving the just sentence of condemnation in myself and bearing his indignation until he that wounded me for it healed me again, which never took place except as I turned from the evil with my whole heart and accepted the punishment until the advocate did arise to intercede, whose blood I had trampled, whose precious life I had pierced, and whose Holy Spirit I had grieved, by turning away from his leadings. Nor do I say that all my sins which I had formerly committed, the sins of which I had been convinced by the light of the world when I was in the world, that these were wholly taken away as my sins of ignorance were. For I found that, with regard to these sins, God was both merciful and just. Merciful in that he did not lay them all at once before me, lest they should have pressed me down, so I could not have followed the light or found strength, but must certainly have perished under them. And he was just, in that, even as these sins were not committed all at once against the light of his Spirit, so he has visited me for them from time to time, and did not lay them before me all at once, nor in a way so heavy as those sins committed after I believed and gave myself up to follow the light. Nevertheless, he indeed brought me to an account for them, and coming to feel the terrors of God, I have learned to fear and to love. So I have found the ground and rise and deceit of that faith which believes Christ to have taken away the sins of believers past, present, and to come, with which belief many at this day make merry over the witness of God. See Revelation 11.10. And slay the just one in themselves. See James 5-6 and Hebrews 6-6. And I have learned the meaning of that scripture. If we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation to devour the adversary. No one knows these things except the one who comes to find them fulfilled. And then they shall understand that he that is born of God does not sin, First John 3, nine. and whoever believes is born of God, First John 5, one. But he that sins turns his back both on the faith and the birth that is of Christ, and becomes an adversary to him in his work, despite what he claims to believe. And this I have found to be an everlasting truth, regardless what men believe or imagine that a man's sins are cast behind his back only as long as he keeps his face towards the light of God. But if he turns from God's righteousness, his own iniquities, both new and old, will rise up and meet him. In vain does such a man as this believe his sins are blotted out of God's sight. For it is God's eye that shows him the error of his way and condemns him for it in his own heart. Nor was the ground and root of sin removed just as soon as my mind was turned by the light from sin towards God. On the contrary, I found its motions and lusts still seeking to go forth to its various objects in order to conceive sin afresh. This ground was removed only as I grew in Christ and he in me, and as I came to learn the one who was in the beginning before sin was. And this one I learned in a faithful following and serving of His Spirit, in watching, in fasting, in praying, and in all spiritual wrestlings, as I was led into these by the light. And in this warfare, I came to see the hardship of those that will be soldiers of Christ Jesus, and know the baptisms into His death. And I saw the slothful servant and the faithful servant, each with their reward. And the parables and figures of the kingdom were opened as that spirit grew in me, which interprets the scriptures in the life, and opens their sealed mysteries in their season as they come to be fulfilled. And so I experienced the gift of the scriptures by inspiration, which alone is how they profit to the perfecting of the man of God. But the man of this world, not having learned in this way, twists the scriptures to his own destruction getting their words in the earthly part, before they are fulfilled in the heart through the Spirit. Such as these do not receive the Scriptures by inspiration, nor know the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in this journey I have seen the slothful servant overtaken with a fault which he had once cast behind him, and never intended to join to again, though the diligent servant was kept free." and I have seen the wages of each servant allotted according to his diligence in that which God has entrusted in him, but not by his own striving in his own thoughts, worth, or wisdom. And in diligent hearkening to and obeying the Spirit, I have found the true faithfulness towards God, though I saw that the mere acquiring of knowledge is what is highly esteemed among men. And I found that Though I have a manifestation of the Spirit within me to profit with all, 1 Corinthians twelve seven, yet the times of my profiting are only in his hand, and that waiting upon him when he does not move is my reasonable service, which is as profitable to me as if he did move, though I cannot see it. And though I found this to be a great cross to my hasty will, it is indeed the true worship in spirit, For I saw that when I did not know this Spirit, to hearken, obey, and observe as His will leads, that I worshipped what I did not know. John 4.22 At that time my fear towards God was taught by the precepts of men, but I was not taught of the Lord, not being born of His Spirit. But all the children of the Lord are taught of the Lord, and as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. So I came to read and understand these scriptures without interpretations or meanings that my own wisdom taught me, but by that which the Holy Spirit taught me. And I found that scriptures thus learned and received are no longer notions that can be lost, but possessions in the inheritance among the sanctified of all ages. No subtle man could ever steal them or change them, or in any way deceive me concerning the truth of them by twisting them nor take away the comfort I had in them, for my comfort and fellowship were in the same spirit and life that gave them forth. So that which declares the righteousness of God for remission of sins past, and the righteousness of God as the inheritance in time to come, this I have found to be a faith without falsehood. And though it is a righteousness beyond declaring, yet it is inherited." as the virtues that are in Christ Jesus come to be received in the life. And whatever faith does not have this righteousness for its ground and end, nor the virtues and several measures of the growth of Christ for its life and increase, this I have found, upon trial, to be a feigned fancy of man's mind. And he that says he has faith in God, but is without the hope of this righteousness for his inheritance— or says he possesses Christ further than he possesses his virtues for his life and growth towards this inheritance, when he comes to be weighed with truth, he will be found too light to stand in judgment, or abide the fire, or to dwell with everlasting burnings. Who they are that are under the law, who they are that have made void the law against themselves, and who they are that are under grace. Grace reigns through righteousness, and the law through transgression. And he that says he is out from under the law while the transgressing nature is alive may pretend the law is void against himself, but he remains under it in the account of God. For the seed or image of God being fallen, the transgressing nature has risen above in man, to whom there is no grace nor life promised, and who knows no obedience except for selfish ends. Upon this nature the law is added till the promised seed arise. And the law is a schoolmaster till it brings unto Christ, who is born of the woman and made under the law, who takes upon him the seed after the flesh to redeem the soul from under the transgressor, that the plant of God may grow. And then man must witness the teachings and chastisements of the law, to bring him low till he comes down under the seed. Then the seed is set above the head of the transgressing nature, and having bruised it, the strength of sin is taken away, together with the strength of the law. And as the soul is raised up through the law, the law being fulfilled by the seed through the spirit, So it arises above the law into the kingdom of grace, which reigns through righteousness and not by making void the law. For the grace is to the seed, and the law to the transgressor. And as either of these reign in the creature, so he is under the law or under grace. The law has power over the man of sin as long as he lives. See Romans seven one during which time the seed of the promise is in bondage. But as that is put to death by which the seed is held captive, then the seed rises under grace. And as it rises up through the law, it fulfills it. And the law being fulfilled, it loses its strength, and sin dies, and so has no more power. For the law is the strength of sin, until it is fulfilled by the seed through the Spirit." So he that is dead to sin is free from sin and is under grace, but he that casts off the law while sin still lives makes void the law against himself. So he that is under grace is dead to sin and dead to the law, which is the strength of sin. In such a man, sin has no more dominion over the soul for the power of it is subdued, which was the law unfulfilled. But if a man seeks to make void the law while the strength of sin yet remains, the law will overtake him in the end. And he that learns these things in death and resurrection and in eternal life shall in this work learn what transgression is and how the law is added upon it and how it is the strength of sin in him but not in the seed and what it is that makes an entrance through the law and how grace comes to abound where sin has abounded, and to reign through righteousness unto eternal life. So where the transgressing nature is slain, there the law is at an end and fulfilled, and the plant of God brings forth its fruit, against which there is no law. And the law is indeed against the man of sin, and the man of sin is against the law as long as he lives. And the law will surely have power over him, and not one jot of it will pass away till it be fulfilled. But he that would cast off the law and make it void while remaining in sin is far from grace. But in the one that fulfills the law, grace and truth does abound. Concerning the way of life and the knowledge that devours the life. Do you desire to know the way of life distinguished from the knowledge which devours the life? Then be no longer as the wild donkey's colt, but take up the yoke of the Son, in whom you say you believe, that you may feel and know the life of faith. For only in obedience is the life of what you believe made sure to you, and thereby is faith and knowledge also made perfect." But until you attain power for the obedience of faith, you are still dead and know only words. And so your faith stands in words without life, which accomplishes nothing, but will arise to condemn you when your time is out. Therefore, in all your seeking, mind that which works in a lowly mind, calling you into the obedience of what is there made manifest in the begettings of the Father, and not in the conceivings of the brain. For in brain knowledge the boasting nature rules, who glories in the wisdom of words, but not in the words of life. But such as walk in the Spirit, and in the obedience of the Son, truly know and glorify the Father, and their praises of Him, and their lives are hidden with Him from all knowledge except what is revealed in the obedience of the Son." From a man you may learn the knowledge of words, but the knowledge of life is only begotten of God. And he that has the Son has the life, which is not of the life of the disobedient nature. For whatever is begotten of God is made conformable in all things through obedience to the one that begets. So then, feel your measure of the begettings of God, and in it be obedient. Seek not to rise above it in anything, lest the enemy thereby get power in you to puff up your mind in knowledge above your life, which will devour the life. And as you feel faith, love, meekness, gentleness, patience, or any godliness move in you by the Spirit, therein become obedient with all diligence, and hereby you will know its power against all the contrary motions in your flesh. In this way you will learn the salvation of grace unto eternal life, which you can never attain by talking, or by any other way besides the obedience thereof. And so you will not receive the grace of God in vain, nor words without the working power of life, but you will receive the living knowledge of the mystery of godliness and will find it daily to increase. For by obedience to the Spirit, the soul is purified from its darkness and pollution, and made fit for the further manifestation of the hidden mystery, and the receiving of it in fullness, with ability to walk therein. And so, by the Holy Spirit, you shall be able to truly confess Jesus to be Lord over all powers in heaven and in earth, the Opener of all secrets, the only Revealer of the Father. And by Him you will become wise in your knowledge unto salvation, not unto vain babblings, for all such words shall rise and condemn those who glory therein. But if in the Spirit you hearken diligently and obey, you will know that He who formerly spoke by the prophets does now speak by His Son, who is the everlasting power of godliness and the only begotten of the Father, and you, in whom he is made manifest, will be made like unto him in all things. The prophets prophesied of glory to come, but the Son declares the Father in this present life, according to the measure of him formed, and as he arises in fullness, he opens the heavens and gives the inheritance.